0: Welcome to following the leftovers, the officially unofficial podcast for the leftovers on HBO. I'm Jim, and I'm Aaron, and today we're talking about season three, episode four, titled G'day, Melbourne." Apparently, yeah, that's how they say it uh-huh. down in the south. Down the, the south, that's, that's down how, under.
1: That's how, how Met Lauer talk. Uh, pronoun- oh, I can't it's podcast. <laughs> no, <laughs> nope. wow, didn't even get through halfway through Matt Lauer's I'm, name, and I lost you. <laughs> it I just flipped over and ran off the highway. Matt
0: Lauer, Australian. Not very many people know that. He, he does a hell of an American accent.
1: Took him three years to to have the Australian accent beat out of him, <laughs> beaten out of him. Yeah. Oh Jesus! Yeah, I didn't realize that was a part of the immigration process. When you le- learn that, Meg but only Kelly- from Australia. When you learn that Megan Kelly's replacing him, he slipped back. He went oi! but <laughs> it's out the door. Out the door.
0: Uh, what do you think of this episode?
1: I thought it was great. Yeah, it's um, fantastic. It was a kick in the crotch because I'm a big fan of Kevin and Nora, but everything was earned and it felt real. Um, you know, there's some imagery in The Leftovers that I don't think I'll ever forget. Um, like, I can't remember what her name was. It was it Gladys, the, the the guilty remnant that got stoned mm-hmm. to death? Um, yep you know, Kevin's face when he's singing Homeward Bound, Nora's endless eyes of tears, like she's an anime character, um, <laughs> at the end of this episode, slowly fading to black as the book is extinguished in the sink. Yeah, is it's just powerful. such a great way to end the episode, and I think it'll stick with me for a long time. Um, what did you think?
0: Uh, I agree. I thought it was an excellent episode. Um, it's... I, I guess I had... A lot of residual hope for Kevin and Nora from last season, especially mm-hmm. the way it ended um, with Kevin kind of coming home to his family. Right. And that bled over into this season, and I think I expected them to have uh, had a heart-to-heart at some point. Uh, it doesn't appear that that has happened. It or maybe— in fact, that the opposite has happened. They've drifted further apart.
1: Maybe this is it because— Yeah, yeah you know if if you do go forward in a relationship where you've had a whole bunch of shit that's happened and i think that it's comfortable i'm comfortable with saying that Kevin and, and Nora is a relationship where a whole bunch of shit has happened mm-hmm. um you can either end it um and you know you don't have to say all the things that are in fact it's probably better off if you don't or you have to blast the relationship back down to its foundation mm-hmm. uh, and pull out all that rotten lumber and all the fuck to get all the cracks out and then rebuild and i think <laughs> Because I think both things are true, that Nora uh, takes comfort in her um, her supreme righteousness, her status as the most victim. Mm-hmm. And it is also true that Kevin is always tries to run from entanglements and connections. Sure. Yet, you know, and, and so what's the real Kevin? Is the real Kevin the, the caged animal that's trying to get out of this, you know, normal – family relationship um, or even like an abnormal family relationship or is he the man who sings homeward bound to get back to, to 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 resurrect himself to get back to life like which is it is it I mean what is it like I mean it's t- totally possible
0: that it's both right just at yeah. different stages
1: that at, at his healthiest he right. wants a family and he needs a family and he uh, he gets that and then he slowly starts backsliding into the toxic form of his relationship yeah um I don't know I mean um judging by what we saw in the first episode of Nora de- you know denying Kevin and uh old old woman Nora denying kevin and, and just delivering messages to nuns from pigeons um it, mm-hmm. it things look pretty bad but uh it also wouldn't be su- surprise me if uh things pull out of their nose, nose dive. wow,
0: even at this point huh
1: I mean you're only <laughs> the I mean the thing is is you only got four episodes to go right right and so I don't and also I'm I guess the other thing is to the extent that I believe that there might be some kind of supernatural ending to all of this or mm-hmm. the since it began with an unexplained supernatural phenomenon, I guess I would allow it to end with an unexplained supernatural phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see like a happy ending that way. Yeah. Um, or maybe the fact that Kevin and Nora, they needed each other. They're the catalyst to, to, to do their final healing. But then that... You know, chain reaction uses up whatever was there that is, is the love they had between us, and, and they're going to be healed and healthy and whole, but they go their separate ways.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I'm wondering because you know this this idea of it being a toxic codependent relationship um, is pretty spot on. And I mean, you know, Kevin when he hears this knows it yeah. instinctively, um, and I think Nora saying it means that she understands that. Yeah. Um, so I don't actually know. I guess that they need to be together at the end, even though, like, in the moment, maybe something about this relationship is helping them kind of both not indulge themselves in these these mm. ideas, but but do the things that maybe lead them to a path that is healthier. Yeah, no, no, know, no. I think they're both going to have to have a shock to the system. Like Kevin is seeing things again. Nora clearly is still grief stricken about her kids. Right, like. N- Maybe this you know, this path is temporary and they're actually going to come to some better understanding of themselves and and healing right. at the end of this. I don't know. It and could it could also be a very bleak ending. I
1: moments. do believe in the concept of kinda of like training relationships. Like, you know, um mm. uh I, I certainly had that in, in, in my, my experience that um this wasn't the one um and, you know, maybe things were bad, maybe things were good, but I learned something important about myself or how to deal with others right. so that on the next time I try a long-term relationship, I'll be, you know, I'll be that much uh, smarter about it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, like, I, I'm I'm open to the idea that these people aren't, like, soulmates. They're just... Um, you know kind of like the, uh, it's a paramedic relationship they're patching each other up and they're going to go on to bigger and better things so. right
0: and and you look at the the intro song you know that they put over the credits this love that's, is over that's uh, pretty damning <laughs> that
1: that's pretty um i don't i don't know about this ray and his pariah dogs <laughs> which by the way dog conspiracy confirmed why
0: what are you talking about it's
1: the it's, it's the, the band that plays love is over is ray La Montanya and the pariah dogs
0: and the pariah dogs yeah these oh, these these never heard the of that.
1: pariah I mean what <laughs> it's the name of the band. There's yeah, like, yeah, yeah okay, so you know um I'm just I, was, I actually I started this off just making a joke, but um <laughs> pariah, you know uh and you know the, 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 these social outcasts are beyond the social and moral norms of society and their dogs, and they got their paws on the button, and they blown up Kevin and Nora's relationship there, I brought it back to the joke. Before we get too much further into the episode, I want to tell everybody about what's going on at Move right now at BulbMove.com. Yesterday, my my wife and I, Cecily, recorded a podcast about our thoughts about the first four Handmaid's Tale uh, episodes on Hulu. uh, Also, the new series, Dear White People on Netflix. And we talked a little bit about American Gods and our thoughts of the first episode we saw of that uh, on the Stars Network. Last week, we also released uh, Quit Your Pitching for Club Members, uh, which you will be able to enjoy a a brief preview at the end of this podcast. Uh, We also did Guardians of the Galaxy, our official review of that, uh, as well as uh, our ongoing coverage of The Leftovers, Fargo, and Better Call Saul. Also, we're doing a segment called Who Won the Week, where Jim and I do it on the Bald Move television feed. Uh, we, We talk about between the big three, Leftovers, Fargo, and Better Call Saul, who had the better episode that week. Uh, since this is the Leftovers feed, I can be honest with you and say the Leftovers is killing it. Yeah. Leftovers is yeah. whipping all comers so far. Uh, will they be able to continue that dominance in the future? If you like general television talk, uh, that's on the Bald Move TV feed. And you can find all that stuff, as always, uh, on baldmove.com. Okay. Uh where do you want Someone to start Someone said, with this? by I'm the saying. way, like I didn't have time to verify this because the site that they linked was in another language, and that's always rough to try to verify when you've got like 20 minutes to go to pod. Uh, but one of the last things I saw on Reddit before I came over here is apparently the music that's playing during Nora's, uh, I think it's the airport scene, is called classical music for dogs. <laughs> okay. When you translate it into English. Uh-huh. So another another uh, dog conspiracy confirmed. Yeah.
0: Uh, and you know they they have their paws on the button, and there's some kind of explosion that happens at the end of this episode. So
1: I love when finally dog related, like Kevin comes out and he looks up at the building like, "Oh my god!"
0: Yeah, did that fire cause an explosion? Yeah,
1: like this wouldn't be the first time that uh, I've destroyed someone's life. Uh, I better. Yeah. I get, but yeah, it turns out we we don't actually believe that Lord, that the that Nora's exploded, right? No, no. Okay, I, don't. I think that sure. this is all cut in time, and her in you know. Pa- Ending with her crying alone in the hotel room shows that she didn't get exploded.
0: Yeah. And the fire went out. Like it's sure there's no explosion in the hotel.
1: Um, I want to start with kind of talking about some things that I saw that were people had gone astray Um, and in, in both feedback and on the forums. I want to like, I want to start to correct some people and and see, I know you're all about that. This is,
0: this is my bread and butter, man. Let's do it. (laughs) Um,
1: I think people got a little confused, or at least they don't agree with my analysis of the situation about the Muslim woman that Kevin sees on TV. Uh, Because people were asking me, like, why would Kevin hallucinate that she has this particular uh, scripture that's written on her picture? What is your analysis? That's Surah 81. My analysis is the only thing he, he, he... um, he, the only thing he hallucinated was Evie's face on her. Right, she was actually holding up a a, a verse from the Koran, Surah eighty-one, which is a uh, a a Koran a Quranish, I don't know what you call like biblical, Bible, biblical Koranish, Koranic,al uh, Quranical verse about the, the 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 Muslim concept of Armageddon or like a judgment day coming. Uh-huh. And I think that the plainest reading is there's a Muslim woman in Australia. Um, and this, this event has affected all religions You know, we've, we've concentrated mostly on like the cults and, and Christianity But uh, it effect- has affected a lot of the religions And a lot of people are looking to uh, fit this into their own religion And this young woman is seeing this as like the seventh You know, that we're coming up on the seventh anniversary And she's holding up a sign warning others about the coming of the end days As she understands it mm-hmm. Now, Seems reasonable to me so that doesn't mean and and also another person said how in the world could she have known to say there is no family because that's something that Patty said to Kevin in the first season
2: mm-hmm.
1: well Lori she talked to Lori she actually or Lori actually right. called her by you know using her her internet sleuthing abilities and coached her on things to tell Kevin yeah. So that she would seem like a repentant, guilty remnant person or someone that's just trying to move on with their life and, and to make Kevin go away. So yeah. Lori is feeding her things that she knows about the guilty remnant so that she can say, these aren't things that are just popping out of her head. These aren't things that Kevin are hallucinating. Everything is real and has another completely plausible explanation except for the fact that she's wearing Evie's face. <laughs> right. Um, I'm with you on
0: that. Okay. I think all that is true. I saw a lot yeah. of
1: people running down holes of trying to think about how, hmm. like, you know, why would Kevin hallucinate an Islamic scripture and why would, <laughs> no, why would how this woman did. know about the guilty remnant's inner thoughts? And, like, there's... Right. Now if you if you actually look at um did you do any research into this the sir eighty eighty one I read the verse that's about it I mean and there's people on on Reddit and other places kind of going crazy because there's a lot of vivid imagery, just like if you read revelations, there's a lot right. of seals being opened and locust writing and anger of God being poured out on thrones and oceans and moons turning to blood. This is very similar. Um, you know, when the sun's get get gets wrapped up, when the stars lose their light, when the mountains are blown, when the pregnant camels are neglected. That's a very regionally specific uh concern there. It is. Yeah. Uh, when the wild beasts are gathered, when the seas are boiled, when the souls are paired, when the girl buried alive is asked for what sin she has killed, and it keeps going on and people when the pages are published, people are like, Oh my god, that's the book of Kevin. <laughs> when the girls buried alive, oh my god, Nora got put in the box, it's metaphorical buried Maybe, maybe. Well, have, I, I, it, it's yeah, definitely yeah. out there. If you want to theorycraft, it's certainly a, um, a rich mind to theorycraft.
0: Yeah, and the people making the show know that.
1: Right. That's why they included it. And it also, it's not. Um, it also has a lot of stuff at the end where it's like, you know. Muhammad is not a crazy person. He didn't. These are not the ravings of a madman. This is this is this is real, and and or these aren't the words of a devil. These are real things that you can put faith in, and that God has has explicitly backed. And that's got obvious connections to Kevin. Both Kevin's the book story. of Kevin, yeah, yeah. That, that these aren't like you know uh, when when Kevin reads the scripture from the book of Matt that says to drink the poison would be insanity, or would it be? faith. Yeah. You know, these these are these are things that the show itself are openly concerning itself with. So, I just wanted to get that out of the way up front um cuz I got a lot of feedback wanting pe- me to speculate about that stuff or wanting us to speculate about that stuff and I saw a lot of a lot of crazy threads on Reddit about it.
0: Well, let me ask you this. Why does Kevin bring the book with him?
1: He's afraid of it. He's afraid that if he sits down and reads all this stuff that it's going to he, you know, he, it's going to bring about another episode.
0: Okay. But like, it's why gonna, does,
1: then why does he keep it on him? Because he's also enough of a delusional that he, um, you know, this is, this is rational Aaron. He's enough of a delusional that that is also attractive to him. Okay. Or that he, yeah, I he, mean, he both fears that it's going to lead him deeper into madness and also fears that it's true and what if I ignore it? That's part of yeah, the I, I
0: almost don't know that he... I, I feel like he's kind of hoping the same way that Nora is hoping that this machine is real and that she can get into it and see her kids again. Yeah. He's almost sort of hoping it's true um, yeah. in a way because it makes all of the stuff he's gone through worth it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, he's just a madman chasing a, a fantasy, right? Right.
1: And there's also... Um... I think Laurie did some pretty smart analysis of him, the fact that he's running away from his responsibilities. Like, here is the granddaddy of, um, you know, anniversaries, and we've seen him through other anniversaries that didn't go so well. And, you yeah. know, he doesn't need to be with Nora in Australia. He doesn't really want to be with Nora in Australia. But his dad's there, and, you know, there's going to be a lot of unpleasant stuff going down in, in Jarden. He's sure. Yeah. And he's, he's, uh, he's running from it.
0: Yeah, I I feel like he does this when things get rocky with his family, right? That's when the delusions come on, that's when he starts to run. Um he can't he doesn't seem to be able to handle that conflict very well. Um or, or conflict is maybe not the right word, but that stress of having things not be all perfect.
1: Another way to interpret that is if you if I put on my supernatural hat, is his dad says the voices start when and things get worse, when you don't do what they tell you to do, mm-hmm. you could say that Kevin is supposed to be with his family, and when he starts to stray from that, the voices start up again. Like like it's a chicken and egg question: Does him bucking against the goads bring on his insanity, right. or does his insanity start when he starts drifting away from his family? Yeah, um, I don't know.
0: I, I think it's telling that Lori asks him, you know, when he's on the phone with her, uh, she's proving to him that Evie isn't real you know, how things are going with Nora. Right. Because she certainly sees that, I think, as a trigger, right, mm-hmm. for for him to start going off the deep end again.
1: Right. And, you know, like, both Laura, Laurie and Nora see that in him, and, you know, they also can't see, I guess, their own issues. Um, although, Laurie seems like she's positioned into a way that she might be the healthiest of everybody. Uh-huh. Um, Maybe. I,
0: I, I still don't know exactly what is going on how much Laurie knows about this book? Um, so there's some speculation that maybe Lori was the one telling John the things that um, Kevin had been doing hmm. because she, you know, had been talking to him. I guess I, I don't not sure that we actually see that, but uh, it would make sense given the history of Lori as a as a uh, therapist, right? I mean, she has done this before, leaked the. The details of someone. Oh, that's exactly
1: that's exactly what she's not supposed to. But I imagine this is something that most therapists, you know, if you're in a relationship with someone and you need to talk about work and you think, oh, what's the harm? Because they're never going to meet this person. Right. And you violate that patient confidentiality. But once um, they start writing a new Bible about him, <laughs> it now yeah, and, a and that's that's the thing. Like I, my read is situation when Kevin says, "Why don't you ask John about that fucking book he wrote?" Lori's reaction was not a person, yeah, of uh, that knew about that book. That's a person that's now kind of like wordly reevaluating what she knows about the person that she's with.
0: And maybe the things that she's told him, right?
1: Right.
0: Yeah. Like, what could he be writing? I don't. Yeah. I, don't I don't. He never told me about a book, but yeah. I, I don't I told think Lori actively
1: participated in the book. But I think Lori probably yeah. unwittingly let things slip.
0: Yeah, I could totally see that.
1: Um, and that like Matt has gotten things. You know, Matt has been is is a sponge. He's taking things that he learned from Michael and. Things he learned from John, because John's got some of these puzzles, pieces, too. And yeah. And things that probably Nora's told him as a sister. Uh, and he's he's pieced all these things together into... Uh, and, and that's the other, really, thing, is I got the distinct opinion that Kevin had not read the book at any point in no, this episode. he hadn't. But when Nora was quizzing him on it, he knew the answer because he's lived it. Obviously, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, you never... I, what I think is obvious when other people think it's obvious is like, so I'm always scared <laughs> to say something is obvious in a show this uh, steeped in imagery and kind of uh, okay. emotional nuance. But, yes, I'll, I, I I'll agree. I'll make the claim. Uh, okay.
0: Real quick before we leave Laurie and John, yeah. there's one other thing that I wanted to get at here. Why did they abort the procedure here when they have someone who's departed? I don't fully understand why that would matter.
1: I, yeah, I don't either. I think it's probably some kind of theory that Lori has that this is something that we don't understand, and it's something that um, – like she's trying to help people process and grieve decisions that they've had to make in tough circumstances that they don't have control over and they don't understand, mm-hmm. whereas – and no one is really hurt by it. But, I mean, there's a couple ways. Like, maybe they're in the back of her mind. It's like, well, what happens if these people come back? <laughs> uh-huh. What happens if there's a chain? Like, now I'm revealed as a charlatan, whereas you're just talking about dead people, then... um, Or yeah. it could be just, like, some kind of, like, in her in her experiences as as doing, like, a, a weird combination of guilty remnant Holy Wayne types that she learned that there's some things that just don't get better when you fuck with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's it's certainly an interesting question that I don't know that we're intended to have all the answers to. It's just that that's a hard and fast rule with her, with him and John, or I, sorry, Lori and John.
0: Yeah, I I suppose it could also be that she doesn't know how to provide closure in that situation, because really what those people are coming to for her is uh, coming to her for is closure, right? Right. Why why did these things happen, and how can I contextualize them to feel better? Uh, you can't really do that so much with the departure, as right. as is evident in Nora, right?
1: And also, like, what do you tell – like, if you tell them that, oh, they're there and they're fine and they can't wait to see you, is that going to – like, they're going to go blow their head off if you tell them, oh, my God, it's right. terrible. So, like, like, you're asserting – anything you say about a dead person is unprovable, but when you don't understand what actually is going on with a, 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 per, a, a with like this this supernatural phenomenon, that's like less safe ground. But I suspect it's something she's got some kind of psychological theory about all this that she has, yeah. Because you know, we knew she wrote a book or was writing a book about her experience, and she's she's done a lot of thinking about this and whatever. It, it's just led her to to have this to have this hard and fast rule. Do you think we'll find out more about it? I think so. Yeah, I think it's too big of. Um, it's too big of a dangling chad for the show to not tug at. Yeah, there's no reason to introduce this idea if right. they're not going to go a little bit deeper on it. Right. Um, I guess I was surprised because I thought that that's like they would take all comers. Yeah. And if they wanted us to have that, if 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 it didn't, ma- like you said, if they didn't, ma- if it didn't matter, then why would they ever revisit this? Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about Nora and pregnancy. Okay. Um. I saw a lot of baby imagery surrounding Nora, uh, some very obvious, some not so much. Like when, you know, Kevin and her have kind of like the hot, illegal, steamy sex, ba- airport bathroom sex. Mm-hmm. Um, did you realize that they're fucking on a baby changing station? Yeah. And it's she's literally surrounded by like these cute pictures of powder blue storks and babies in diapers and all that stuff. Yep. Then everything, that's like, that's the subtext that maybe people didn't pick up on but also then there's the textual stuff like she's presented with the dilemma of like you're a mother aren't you here there's a baby in your arms you're a mother again oh now you're mm-hmm. abandoning your responsibility now you're being asked whether you'd kill a child to uh to 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 cure cancer and if the child's years and if the thing's gonna um if, if the baby's gonna suffer or not and then the other thing that i thought was interesting in light of this episode is we've talked about abraham and sarah and the fact that she goes by the name of sarah and it's a biblical fact that when when Abraham told Sarah that the Lord, hey, Lord said we're going to conceive a child, mm-hmm. uh, Sarah's reaction was to laugh. And God kind of got a little hot on the collar about that. Like, who are you to laugh at my promise? So I'm going to knock you. I'm going to knock you. So, Nora, when the Lord, with, with, with Kevin as a Christ figure, says that, hey, we should get pregnant, she laughs out loud at him. I thought that was a nice little symmetry, too. Yeah. I didn't pick up on it at first. Sure. It's only after this episode it kind of became obvious.
0: Yeah. Uh, I I don't know if that means she's actually going to be pregnant. Um, I think so. We clearly don't see her with a child in what we think is a flash forward. So if she is pregnant and she has the baby, does she give it away again? I mean, there's a lot of hint that she might actually do that. Sure. Uh, given what happens at the bus stop and what Kevin says to her, you know. Um, I think he's right about that.
1: I. Or if you like my crazy lens theory, where Nora's going to get in his microwave box and irradiate herself, turn herself into uh, a Palpatine-esque old melted woman and kill everyone in the room, then maybe she loses the baby in that fiasco somehow. Yeah. That causes a miscarriage. I I don't know. I'm still really hot on that theory.
0: Okay. Uh, Do you want to talk about the machine? Because I got a lot of questions about the machine and the process around it. Sure. Uh, And maybe some... A little more speculative stuff at the end. <laughs> okay, uh, let me ask you this: Is there actually a machine? Do you believe that there is actually a physical machine that they are putting people into?
1: I think it's true that was it ninety-one people. It was have... like a hundred plus. It was a okay. Ton I thought of it people. was ninety-one. Maybe it was one hundred ninety-one. I think that some amount of people have said that they were going to go in the machine, uh-huh. recorded their consent video, and according to Nora, those people are missing. Right. Um, so they could be indoctrinated into a cult, like this could be just another version of the cult, it, but I think the easiest explanation is the machine, they were put into some kind of machine did that did, did at, at the very least, kill them. Okay. Um, at, We, we and, don't at, have any hard evidence of an
0: actual machine yet. Markman yeah. Baker says it exists, they have these testimonials, those people are missing.
1: Um, I do think the machine is real, but- and and of course with the dutch scientist the the positive one's name is dr eden mm-hmm. which like come the fuck on yeah. and then the other one that's that's less um paradisaic in her views of the machine um, which i i quite liked her um i, I liked that she's like the only thing she like, believes in the process but she's like yeah. i'm as a scientist the only thing i can say for sure is that we are sending them to the same place the other people went to mhm and we don't know that that like the odds of that being a place conducive to human life and happiness are very 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 slim. I would agree. When you think yeah. of all the set points in the universe that you could be sent to, mm. uh, I thought that was a a really a really good point. And and also something that um why this why I always like to think of this show as sci-fi because if this. We say it's a supernatural event; these people disappearing, but we only say that because we don't understand it. If if they're true about this later, ra- uh, latter radiation, um, it could be a well understood phenomenon. Eventually, that it's just you're it's it's causing these people to go to some other dimension or some other place. We don't know, <laughs> right? Um, which could you know you could see this being sp- spun into a, a science fiction um, series, but um, I don't know what.
0: I mean, I. So I'm thinking, uh, I, I'm watching this episode, and I, I couldn't help but notice that they go directly from the scene where Nora is being interviewed um, right into, and they actually layer the audio over the top of the, the last bit of Nora's scene, the audio from uh, John and Lori's scam, essentially a scam. Uh, oh, yeah. Now, it's a scam to heal somebody, to maybe give them some closure and help them, but it's it a, is a scam nonetheless.
1: It's a victimless, non-money-making scam.
0: Right, which this machine scam doesn't appear to be. This machine scam, they charge money for it. I don't know if they burn the money or maybe ionize the
1: money away <laughs> right. after they're done. We don't know that, though, because they, they haven't taken anyone's money that we see so far. Right. That's true. But we haven't seen the machine. We're, we're assuming the
0: machine is real. We're also convinced uh, that the there are
1: 100-something people who say it's real. The man that set himself on fire last episode is a yeah. reject from this program as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. People were guessing that even at the time. So. Right. I mean, we, we, pretty good guess about
1: that. now. <laughs> um, and what's interesting is he answered the question opposite of the way that Nora right. did, and he also flunked out. So either this is just a another part of the screening process yeah. in which, um, you know, the how you react to it or how you react in the aftermath of being rejected tells them something or, or, or another. Yeah. Um, I mean that would be an interesting thing if every literally everyone that's rejected from the program just commits suicide and everyone is rejected. Mm-hmm. However, I guess that's not consistent with what we've seen because they would have to get Nora to, to video a test, to, to record a testimony video before they, they rejected her ultimately. Right. So that, that I And can,
0: potentially meet with someone in a hotel room. Right. To te- so that, to that that's bad
1: theory. Theory's already discarded. Okay. Um, do you there was a lot of discussion about the trolley problem. The, the twins, yeah. Um, which is you know, is, is, is this this twin paradox moral question is a version of that. Uh-huh. Um, do you? I mean, there was there wasn't there a trolley problem question in a previous season, or maybe it was a Mister Robot.
0: Yeah, I can't remember which show it was in, but I know we've talked about it recently.
1: Right. Um, but I don't. I, I guess I don't. I don't find it super interesting to explore those because, like, uh, that's the thing with hypothetical hypothetical situations. It's a way to, in the abstract, think of moral and ethical questions, but it misses all of the emotional and snap decision and, like, oh, no, this is real Mm -hmm. kind of thing. So it's kind of like, you know, asking the question of, like, you know, would you on D-Day – Jump out of the boats and storm the beach, or would you piss yourself in the corner, or would you like you refuse to report for duty? It's like you can say whatever you the just fuck don't you know. want, yeah. Until you're in the water and the bullets are hammering the door, you're not really going to know, right? So, kind of, who gives a shit? Yeah I will. My you know,
0: immediate answer is yes. I nod.
1: Yes, sure. Abso- it seems like it nod. seems like Laura. yeah. If it's not your kid, in the, uh, like Laura's analysis, in a utilitarian. Pragmatic analysis seems like it's sound mm-hmm. um, but it's so funny because like I imagine there's a lot of people like for example Kevin senior who would be horrified by that and like, no, why would you ever first of all like the hypothetical question, what in the world could they tell you the way this is structured like there's two twins, one of them will grow the, will grow up and cure cancer, but only if the other one dies that's stupid. Like, that's stupid in the singing Homeward Bound sense of the word. Like, what the fuck? Right. What kind of, Why
0: does the other one have to die?
1: Yeah, this is
0: this... What What kind is of, it about this relationship that causes the other kid not to cure and cancer? And how could you
1: possibly know this at the outset, where the kid's like, what the hell? Right. Like, this is just a stupid, stupid question that it doesn't really matter what, which way you answer, which... It's like going back and killing
0: Hitler when he's a kid, right? When right, baby.
1: right. If you, if you like like... There's way more information about the science fiction nature of the world you're living in because it, it, otherwise you're just a man murdering a baby, right? You know, right? Um, I I don't know. I I I just don't. I don't. I don't give a shit. Like you can go to, to attend a philosophy le- uh, lecture on ethics in any given college if you want to know more about that. It is. I, I do think we need to entertain Nora's reaction to it. Like we can speculate why. Why she failed? Is it the fact – I think that they suspected that Nora was trying to bust – I mean like one of my leading theories is that they suspected that Nora is trying to uh, bust them and the fact that she was so calm in the box and the fact that she wasn't freaking out and the fact that she was so flipped during the interview – Fed into their belief that she was not taking this seriously and she was either going to not go through with it and waste everyone's time or she was going to try to bust them as some kind of fraud because they're smart enough to realize that even if they're true believers that from an in a a vacuum from an outside perspective, this looks like they're just murdering people and taking their money. Sure. Yeah. It looks like they're 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 just the ultimate con women. They're Mm. they're murdering people that they've got gained the confidence and then taking their earthly possessions. Yeah. So that's bad. Uh,
0: yeah, and certainly her reaction, um, afterward, kind of proves that that's not the only reason she's there. You know, this very emotional reaction that she has. Um, and and that's kind of my my point when I say, you know, they layer this the audio from the scam over the top of
1: Nora because it says she was ready to go
0: and it says it multiple times. And it's so right? weird like, because
1: even in this episode, she's explaining it to Kevin and being like that they're just incinerating people, Kevin. Like she yeah. knows intellectually, yeah. but. She has got this big giant hole in her heart and mm. she like why why hasn't she killed herself?
0: That's well, I don't think it would get her to where she wants to go, right? She doesn't believe that her kids are dead.
1: Ah. Right. She tells right, Kevin right. that.
0: That's a good so point. So if she were to kill herself, she would just lose any opportunity at getting them back. Huh.
1: Huh. Yeah, you know, that's I should say family. Her husband also. Yeah, it's so funny because the he- yeah. like I think because Kevin is like, you know, we just assume he's way more awesome and good looking than her husband. And she's like, oh, we know for a fact we saw him. <laughs> maybe, 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 well, you don't know. Uh, maybe that like he could be like Flanders. He takes he takes off his uh, your know, polo and sweater and he just <laughs> fucking ripped and shredded right, from body the neck God. Up. I can judge him <laughs> from the neck up. How about that? Um, but, but you know, it's always funny. It's like those, we all just kind of just assume that like Kevin is like a stealth upgrade to her husband. But children, yeah, yeah, yeah. Aaron and what's his name? Right. We, we want them back. Is it Jeremy, Aaron, and Jeremy? I don't remember. Their um, names. But but yeah, the Kevin is the other guy. Doesn't need to come back, and that's another yeah. interesting thing too. And she
0: never mentions him, right? Yeah. I mean she she says family every so often. Yeah, but um, it's her kids. Her kids really are the ones kids, that,
1: yeah. um, and like certainly in the the the, the leftovers, of the book. Uh, when she was meditating on her grief, it was always around her children, not so much her husband. Gotcha. Which I, that makes sense.
0: Yeah, um, I, I did notice that she was very at peace in that coffin. The doctors noticed it. Um, she looks like she's content when she's laying in that styrofoam-packed coffin.
1: Um, okay, I didn't, I didn't ever, I didn't necessarily think that. What? Why? Uh, I guess explain that analysis.
0: I mean, the doctors say, "Look, your heart rate's fine." Mm-hmm. Um, you're not overly excited or anxious. Uh, and sh- when she when they open the lid, she's almost just like laying there
1: in a the meditative state, mm. uh,
0: which I suppose you would do in a completely isolated box. But... Yeah,
1: I wonder what she was thinking and all that. Because uh. she seemed like she was very deeply – I was surprised to hear them say that because she seemed very deeply unsure and nervous when she was actually getting in the box. Yeah.
0: But by the end, she came out pretty calm. Uh, okay. Now let's get to some insanity here for a okay. second. So <laughs> – this is all going back to the machine, so give me a second. Uh, Kevin walks out of the hotel, and they he tries to hail a taxi, and they say, no taxi, sir, there's the explosion. Mm-hmm. Um, when Kevin Sr. pulls up, he says that all flights are grounded. Mm-hmm. Uh, clearly some kind of event has happened. Uh, I don't know where, potentially in Australia, potentially somewhere else in the world, but all flights are grounded, and there's something about an explosion now, if you go back and and this got me thinking, if you go back to the ABC's of The leftovers. Do you remember that? Oh yeah. There is a lot there there are several images in that series of images that are nuclear related, mm-hmm. uh, nuclear bomb related.
1: Wasn't U for uranium or something? Yeah, yeah.
0: so U is for uranium pl- for plots nefarious. Mm-hmm. Um and then there was also another one that had like a atomic,
1: cloud, yeah, atomic yeah, atomic
0: explosion in the background.
1: That's, that's so sort of- we talked about this before, but I just want to make sure that everyone knows it's it ABC's The Leftovers or something that the official there's a marketing website that HBO runs. I believe it's Watching the Leftovers. That might be a pod. Yeah, it, it is. is. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh and the first season they came out with this um kind of like a Richard Scary type book where they had these like child it's like a child's book that had these big letters. Mm-hmm. And there was these childish illustrations of things were going on. And, like, Y is for Yemen. There's a war that's being fought there. And, yeah. you know, um <laughs> L is for the loved ones that we've left behind. And they're all different parts of the the the, the, the semen – in the first season, of course, there was a lot of things that... You know, three or four of the alphabet hadn't manifested itself. And yeah, and we were I th- wondering about I it. I think we talked about in the, the season finale or the season wrap-up of last season that the one that still hasn't come to pass was the bomb stuff. Right. Okay. So now we've got mention of an
0: explosion, which started me down this path. And the U for Uranium pictures a shack with, like, a nuclear-looking bomb underneath it. Uh-huh. Uh, like, really just huge. And there's some guy... Um, at an open door and he's kind of ushering people into a green radioactive looking glow. Uh-huh. I wonder if that isn't the machine. If this explosion isn't somehow related to the machine.
1: Hmm. It could be. What did you think of the guy at the airport being denied entry because he was wearing a radiation suit? Or he had packed in a radiation suit. Um, and he's saying, this isn't on the forbidden list. I have the right to defend myself. And he's, right. As he's being taken away screaming. It seems to just hint
0: at this explosion at the end. Right. Um, and and maybe they're going to, you know, use that as a red herring, and this explosion is going to be far less nefarious than we think. But the, the, the imagery of the shack and people being ushered into this green glow uh, with the nuclear bomb beneath it really makes me think that those two things are connected, the explosion and the machine. Uh, and I'm not sure exactly how yet.
1: Hmm. I think that... We opened the season with Dean talking about dogs having their their paws on the button mm-hmm. um, we also have seen um, imagery in the preseason trailers of what appears to be a naked man in some sort of bunker or perhaps a s- submarine with some kind of button that he pushes
0: mm-hmm. we're
1: now being confronted with radiation suits and explosions I don't think the machine I don't think the machine is going to be connected to the explosion I don't mmm because, okay. or it might just be because I've got this bias because I think Nora's going to get in the machine and get irradiated and come out looking like a California raisin. Um, so those theories seem like they're mutually contradictory. So I'm just putting my biases out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so okay, so you think the you think the machine is going to cause an explosion?
0: Uh, I don't know how the machine and the explosion are going to be linked. They throw Marklin Baker on there. And, <laughs> right. And it's just too much power. The the residual Bibi yeah.
1: Vodka reacts with the L, uh, L, A, LDR rate radiation and just yeah. makes the bibby Vodkas go boom.
0: I mean, we did speculate that the guy <laughs> with his finger on the button, the naked dude in the thing, uh-huh. was actually part of the machine, right? Hmm. Um, I Briefly. Didn't. Did you? A couple episodes ago, yeah, okay. we were talking okay. about it. All right. Uh, so I don't know. I, I think it's. I I mean, if you had seen – if you see this image, it becomes fairly apparent that that could be what they were going for. All right. The the link between the two. Okay.
1: I want to ask you a question. You were pretty adamant about last week thinking that Senior is going to double down on the fact that he's the chosen one and not Kevin. Mm Mm-hmm. How do you interpret his reaction to Kevin Jr. being in Australia? Do you think that that's still the truth, or do you think that he's come around to the idea that the book is about Kevin Jr., not himself?
0: Uh, I think he – yeah, he probably does think it's more about Kevin Jr., but I'm not sure where that break was. I Like, I really don't understand how he came to that conclusion.
1: Hmm. It's interesting because I, I I I just thought that's the conclusion he came from just by I mean and I got nothing but what you saw which is Kevin Glenn's acting and his reaction to her story so like I it's it's one of those weird things like I don't know how I mean to, he's just
0: convinced by the story
1: that he's not the guy and that Kevin is well just that everything she said about her had nothing to do with Kevin Senior she wasn't talking and now. She is building a boat, so there's that. I don't want to say there's nothing there. But everything she was saying about needing a man who crosses over to the other side and is able to talk to the people and then come back, um, that is Kevin Jr.'s story, not Kevin Sr.'s story. Mm -hmm. Kevin Sr. talks to angels. Kevin Sr. – you know, is 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 trying to learn the words to sing a song to end the deluge. Kevin Senior is not bridging the gap between the living and the dead, mm-hmm. so I just think that he was, and and maybe he's. I, I'm not sure that he's given up on his little role in the apocalypse, but he thinks that Grace's story and Kevin Junior's story are are converging, not. You know, and and also she killed Ke- the other Kevin to try in, in any situation that wasn't a Kevin senior test. That yeah. was a test for Kevin junior for sure. That she murdered the guy in. So I, that that's that's kind of like the evidence, I guess, that I thought then I, with Scott Glenn's kind of satisfied or like aha type of performance in it for story that you have got the wrong Kevin. Um, yeah, I guess I just didn't see why a guy who was so driven
0: to fulfill his destiny would be swayed by the story of a uh, woman. But also if you pay
1: attention to his, what he told, told Christopher Sunday, yeah, look at how fast he pivots on a dime. Mm Mm-hmm. Like he go, he's all set up to go to to Sydney Opera, thinking that's where. And then someone comes up and says, "Hey, do some God's tongue with me." He's like, "Fuck yeah, I'll do God's tongue." And then he sees a chicken in a vision quest, and I got to go see that chicken. And then the chicken, yeah, but it's on. all
0: in search of his own destiny. It's not about Kevin, right, at but, any stage. But what I'm saying is Kevin that Jr. destiny
1: is able to be recontextualized on a whim, and this okay. is yet the latest whim that now see he sees ah. My son is part of this and maybe I'm the one like, you know, that's the John Baptist in the mm-hmm. in the wilderness preparing the way for him. I don't
0: Yeah, they just didn't convince me with that. Okay. Uh but yeah, I guess I mean, now it seems like yeah, he's all on board with Kevin Jr. being the thing.
1: Right. Um what is take on me? have to do with this episode. <laughs> Alan Sevenwall seems to know I don't have a fucking clue. I mean, I, I read the same review, and I'm like, okay. So, because, like, yeah, I grew up, I'm I'm a contemporary of this song. Um, uh-huh. I was part of the MTV generation, and I definitely remember this woman reading a graphic novel and the protagonist of a graphic novel coming to life and stalking her home. True, and I remember the video, yeah. So, how does this speak to Kevin or Nora? Who is the fantastic being that's been conjured into... Life by the power of love. That that's where, and maybe maybe we just don't we won't understand this until later on. Maybe, but it also it's clearly important because they start off with the scientists doing it on the piano. Yeah, um, and which by the way, uh, Doctor Becker, who is the dower of the Dutch scientist, is she eating a can of dog food or cat food? Oh, certainly, yeah. I mean, That's... did you see she's got this little tin that she's open, and I'm like, wait, well, that looks like exactly like a cat food can. Yeah. Um, Then you hear, like, the high school marching band version of it, uh-huh. and then you have the official version at the end. Take on me. I don't know, man. I did not get that. Okay. But
0: clearly it's important, and it's thematic for the entire episode because it's just everywhere.
1: Yeah. It's almost kind of shocking it wasn't part of the credits. When yeah. you see how it was weaved throughout the episode. I mean, it, it was, though, wasn't it? Doesn't no. it go out? Take no, on well, I'm talking about the opening credits. Oh, the opening credits. That yeah, was yeah. about uh, it. You know, everything being over. Yeah. Um, what else about... Oh, another random thing I want to talk about. The funniest thing in the episode is, you know, they've got the full-on leftovers, urgent music playing, and they've done this several times where, <laughs> um, like... The first time, or the second time it happens, he's talking to Lori on the phone, and they're doing the Leftovers piano, and she asks if everything between him and Nora are okay, and he comes back. It Like, it. the music instantly stops. Like, the music of empathy stops, and he lashes out with, ask John about your fucking book. Uh-huh. The other time is when he's talking to uh, Lori, and, you know, the Leftovers play thing is going, and he runs up to a koala bear for directions of the library, and the music just instantly slams shut. Yeah. And... It's starting to be hilarious. that's a, well, they're do, but this is something they do again and again in this show, mm-hmm. starting in this season, I think, because I haven't detected before where like he's wrapped into Dean's story and then it just screeches to a stop when he gets to the, to, the dogs. Actually, it might have happened when Nora was talking to the scientists about the lens theory and then they start talking about the demon Azrael and she's like, What the fuck? Yeah, maybe I wonder what they're going with with all that.
0: Oh, I mean, it's, it's a way to punctuate a scene certainly um and whether they use it for the effect of driving home an emotion or a particularly odd thing that happens or they use it for comedic effect i think it's just there as a device to punctuate a scene right on it's like an exclamation mark at the end of a sentence
1: okay um do you think do you think that the woman with the baby was part of the test
0: i think so yeah
1: okay uh it seems cuz boy they did play that straight
0: yeah, they do, um, but they would, you know? If that's part of the test and they don't want to acknowledge it, um, then, yeah, they would play it straight.
1: But also, what'd you make of the phone call where, like, get on this bus right at the last stop, we won't wait, and then it seems like those women were in no hurry to leave. Yeah. Like, what did that? what did that even... I mean, it's also probably true that there's no way Nora would have found them and that abandoned, like... <laughs> I guess the last stop in the Melbourne Melbourne bus system just like drops you off in the middle of the infamous meatpacking district of Melbourne. Yeah, like it's like we we've made a joke about that before. That like the meatpacking district is just the bad part of town. Mm-hmm. That's where all the supernatural ninjas hide out in Daredevil. It's where all the murders happen. It's it's she's just it's just it's abandoned. Bad things are happening. I don't think she would have found the scientist necessarily if that weird skinny kid wasn't waiting for her.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and that. You know, that's when it becomes apparent that her getting on the bus was all part of it, but I, or or was necessary, right? But I, I think it was also part of it to hand her this baby and see what she would do with it. Because she's got a couple of, of options here, right? She can give it away to someone else. Um, she can run back in and find the mother and, and give the baby back. Or she could potentially get on the bus with the baby mm-hmm. uh, and effectively steal the baby. That's what I thought she was going to do. Yeah, yeah, I was worried about that too. <laughs> uh and i'm actually surprised she made it back in time running inside and giving her the yeah, baby the australian but...
1: buses are like uh, you try to shit in new york city you're just gonna get ran over oh yeah yeah that's just yeah, not gonna work no and the driver's probably gonna flip you off as he drives <laughs> down the road <laughs> it'll back up over you uh, make sure but yeah
0: it, it seemed to me like it was part of the test and she must have passed that part otherwise why continue
1: why go forward yeah, and they know about her being an investigator. They know about Kevin. Mm-hmm. I don't. It's such a weird, bizarre situation.
0: It seems like they're almost testing for r- lingering doubt or relationships that she wants to hold on to. Like, yeah, you know, this idea of like handing her a baby and saying, "What will she do with it?" When pressed, or like. This question about, like, killing a baby. Like, are you showing any residual affection for humanity? Like, yeah, would you like the, be a good person? I, I saw
1: someone banning about the idea that they're looking for any kind of connection in this world. Like, the appropriate response to right. that question is, like, I don't care what happens in this world because I'm about to go through to the other side. Now, uh-huh. there, uh, my thought when I read that is, like, that doesn't track because even if I – Granted that I was suicidal or I wanted to go through a portal to another dimension, that doesn't necessarily erase my connection to humanity. Like I right. could want yeah. desperately to go onside and see my family, but not, but but still not care about the millions and millions of people that die of cancer at the Earth I'm leaving behind. Like, are they screening for so- sociopathy? Like, I maybe that I, doesn't. I I think that there is a germ of truth of that, but it's like it's a weird thing to demand of your subjects that they have no earthly connection and they care not about what happens to the world they're leaving behind
0: yeah i mean it's interesting because mark lynn baker is said to have gone through the machine by the time in this she gets episode. There, yeah and of what we what we know of him is he completely ran from everyone well we're gonna you know, find out
1: went, we're gonna find out in the post-season scene that he's actually living in an australian outback he might be yeah
0: I mean, it's possible that none of these people are going anywhere. He's working his way down the song line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Another fucking crazy white fella. <laughs> yep. Uh, he's doing the balky B rap all over <laughs> Australia. Uh, yeah, I mean, what we know of him is he ran from everyone, right? Like, right. he ran to South America, and he just hid himself away. So right. maybe he, in fact, doesn't have any connections to anyone anymore because everyone he loved, apparently, the cast of Perfect Strangers is mm-hmm. gone uh he doesn't have a family or anything so maybe that's what they're looking for yeah like could you still be a valuable contributing member of to society and if so we're not going to erase you
1: that's one theory i i mean i honestly don't yeah, know what they're, I don't what they're looking for um and it's also interesting like um i thought i thought they asked a lot of smart questions like nora uh, essentially I, I think The other thing was telling Is that It wasn't the first Question she asked Is this the thing here Like before she asked he oh, has the other machine here, Is the machine yeah. Actually here Right And that, that's a perfectly Reasonable question to have But it did make The doubting Thomas doctor's Eyebrows shoot up Past her scalp uh-huh. I thought that that was Something that might have Like you know They're showing these Doctors reactions To all these questions For you know For a reason They're giving us This extra extra uh, Subtextual information I thought that was Significant mm-hmm um and then yeah i don't know i honestly don't know because i go back and forth about what they were trying to to weed out and i'm i'm not convinced that like like you said that laura is or that nora is actually flamed out yeah she might still be on the test right um i'm
0: i'm curious to see what her next step is because she says she's gonna hunt them down and destroy them right
1: uh Will she think, still
0: be willing to do that at the end of this episode after the devastating blow that's delivered by Kevin? Do you think
1: that these women like Nor, like Laura, Lori, and and John were wearing an earpiece and they got from uh, as they're sitting that 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 really the whole screening process is just to give Bernard time to do all the blood work and determine whether she's a suitable candidate and that's just stalling time. And then when they finally get hmm. the earpiece, the thumbs up, thumbs down, they can use this moral test and reject someone for any reason, really. It's an ultimate like, oh, well, and without getting their trade secrets away, because I yeah. could see that's another reason why they would blend the Lori and John scene in with this, that they find out that she is pregnant, mm-hmm. which also would f- that would, you know, because going back to the thing I talked about, Sarah, the biblical Sarah and how she laughed at Abraham um, You know because the thing the 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 little biblical quote is uh, she laughed to uh, because she's like will my you know will my lord actually get me with 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 child at my advanced age you know nora is not advanced in age you know carrie coon herself is in her mid-30s she could bear children Mm -hmm. um in absence of any other physical problem but she's got the iud Mm -hmm. so that would be a I, i don't i if the iud is in place and and uh uh, is, yeah, if the IUD is in place, she can't get pregnant. So it would be kind of a borderline mer- medical miracle if she was pregnant.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's that's the bread and butter of this show is those borderline scenarios uh-huh. where it looks like a miracle. Still, right. scientifically possible, just very, very, very unlikely. Right. Um, extraordinarily so. Um, now, that's not the case with the departure, but right. uh, everything else has kind of walked that line, and this could be another scenario where right. – she gets pregnant,
1: yeah. Kevin uh, sperms like WWE wrestlers. They're just like yeah. flipping over ta- IUDs, like tables, and and so many folding chairs, and just like, what is this? Get out of here! Um, I, I d- believe it. I do I want to know the extent of his powers. Like,
0: <laughs> my first question: if I find out that I've I've come back, I've survived mm-hmm. something that should have killed me, right? You had the super sperm. Well, that's that's number one. I go test that. Number mm-hmm. two <laughs> is I. I question like I'm still very very careful because I don't know the extent of the powers. Yeah, you're right? right. Like if my head gets chopped off, do I come back? Like or am I Highlandered?
1: Or do I grow too? Right. <laughs> my head grows a body, my body grows a head, and is that yeah. new head still me? Oh, that's that's a question
0: only the machine can answer. <laughs> but yeah, I I don't know what his powers are exactly,
1: but that's, uh, I Groundhog Day. Taught me a lot about, about right. this, and that's the thing. Like you, you, you only start experiment. That's 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 a good. That's actually a good analogy because you only start exper- experimenting on that kind of thing when you just don't care anymore. Yeah, like Kevin, this machine. It, it puts it puts Kevin jumping into the reservoir in a lot better light. Like yeah. you know, and this is stuff I don't think we actually touched on. But mm-hmm. like, there's a couple possibilities there that the the water wasn't poison. The water was poisoned, but at an insufficient concentration, to actually caused harm. Or mm-hmm. Kevin's holy balls, upon touching the water, uh, transmuted the poison into non-poison, like, just like okay. Jesus did with the water into the wine. Like We didn't uh-huh. really go into all that, but I know like Reddit was going crazy about these different Venn diagrams of possibilities. But well, we don't know the that point Jesus is- could have turned wine into water. Right.
0: Like, so can you turn poison to water, or can you just turn water to poison?
1: Right. Well, with God, all things are possible, so. No. CBD. Sure. um how, Mountains and shit. But, but my point is, you don't jump into what's reputed to be poison, acid, whatever water, unless you just don't give a shit. Right. Because. I mean, you don't throw yourself into a lake
0: with a stone around your ankle, either.
1: Exactly. So, yeah. I mean, he's done. He's been through the stages. So that should have been evidence that he was a lot that that he wasn't healthy going into this season. Oh yeah, he was really on the. But the... I mean,
0: they. But okay, yeah, yeah. When he jumps into the poisoned, potentially poisoned water, sure. Uh, I, I so I like the the name of this episode, "Good Day Melbourne." Uh, this is this is kind of central to the entire episode, and it's almost subtly so. How? Um, I can't wait to hear this. So. This is the second time that the TV has not worked in a hotel for Kevin, right? Um, or, or malfunctioned in an interesting way that led him down a path. Uh, Nora, apparently when they got to Australia, did not put Kevin's name on the room. And so when the TV won't turn off, Kevin calls up the desk and says, hey, turn this fucking thing off. Right? And they say, oh, by the way, you're not on the room, Mr. Garvey. Would you like to be? Right. So he puts his name on the room. Now, we find out later that his, his dad... Yeah. His, so he saw... His dad on the TV, which clued him into Evie, which was a kind of a dead end. Yeah. And then, but but it wasn't for his dad who saw then him on the TV, right? And did a bunch of calling around to local hotels and finally found Kevin Garvey.
1: Right. All these interlinked coincidences.
0: Right. So that his dad wouldn't have been able to find him if it wasn't for the malfunctioning TV in the first place, right? Right. So I. That's why I say it's like subtle is because that's what caused him to put his name on the room,
1: right? Um, and that's what and, enabled his father to find him. Right. Uh we actually have a girly good uh, a girly a girly good email, a really good email um about these serendipity uh coincidences uh-huh. uh, that uh, we'll be getting to pretty quick because I I'm kind of petering out about the things I want to talk about in this episode. Do you still have some more?
0: I, I got to say that
1: alley that he chases Evie oh, down is yes the coolest thing ever and i'm assuming that's a legit australian where they just marked I, off a I piece imagine. of melbourne that just like hey do you want to like let's just just uh this is the gang this is the gang territory from batman and robin <laughs> right. do you remember there was that Batman? except Rem- not glow in the dark yeah, well it, yeah it, you didn't see black lights in that you true. Get, yeah they, true. they all come out at night and... i want to know why gotham has just black lights everywhere because <laughs> apparently it does. <laughs> Because Batman insists that like it's not like regular lights aren't dark enough. I need I need black lights, yeah, or at least dark gray lights. Uh, but yeah, I that I I wrote that down and talked about it in my notes and I forgot to. But yeah, that's that's kooky. That yeah, was I really mean, the even, just awesome. Even the tra- like you put like I feel like you park your car in the alley, you're going to come back and it's going to look like yeah, I don't know some some weird interlude from reading Rainbow. It's just going to be all fucking pastels and crazy geometric shapes and
0: yeah i like that everybody's cool with it right they're not like trying to scrub it
1: off and oh my fucking trash cans got graffitied again just wait till it gentrifies people going to move in and be like oh i don't want my house to look like i i I love the flavor of the neighborhood but my house being painted uh
0: then don't fucking move there right it's a work of
1: art don't destroy it right oh i love how colorful and awesome the section of the city is yeah uh, not um, my house right
0: unless it's banksy and then
1: they're then they're all cool with it I'm sure there's people that have have not been cool with Banksy painting their shit.
0: Well, not now because it makes it worth like I'm just saying 500 like 500 times. I'm a it mire
1: was. of Banksy, but if he comes and paints like Trump kissing Putin on my side of the house, I wouldn't like it. Sell the house, man. Yeah, probably, I probably it's probably what I do. It's probably yeah. what I do. But I would be like, God damn it, Banksy! <laughs> I'm gonna have to. I just got settled in here. That's what his parents always say. I don't want to be mowing my lawn and looking up goddamn Trump's fucking. You know. <laughs> throat fucking Putin. I don't want to see that. (laughs) One
0: more thing um, on this ABCs of Leftovers, Uh because I I kind of perused through all of them once again. Birds are relevant. So there are a lot of birds in those images.
1: Birds are relevant?
0: Yeah, and I don't know how, but birds are relevant. There's a lot of birds in those images. Birds are relevant. Yes. Okay. And Nora was keeping birds, um, the same kind of white birds that – I presume are in those well, photos. Well, plus
1: Erica's bear- burying birds and resurrecting them in her box. Right. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The machine. The machine's a box. The box are birds. Yeah. Erica's trampoline. It's all connected. It's all connected. Uh, the graffiti in the alley. Think about it, Jim. Oh, I have. <laughs> I have. I'm starting a Reddit thread on it right now. <laughs> oh, boats are pouring in. Okay.
0: Uh, also in the ABCs, there is a man on a seesaw all alone. Oh which seems to Those lead fuckers. right into this season. I mean right.
1: and that's that's good television. That that's that separates the good television from the television it's meh. It's the the <laughs> fact that like they I, I just feel like on the really good shows, like on the Vince Gilligan shows and on the on the Linda shows that they have like a summer camp where they get all the writers back and they're like, Okay, we're gonna screen the whole goddamn series and people take notes. Now we're gonna look at all the shit that we've put out and all of it, and we're gonna just, just like put that all in a big stew and then we're gonna get stuff out of it instead of just like clean slate and yeah. like, you know, I don't even remember own continuity because that's super cool. Yeah.
0: It's interesting. I wish I had Gone back because I didn't remember that image. Uh huh. Not, Not on, on episode either. one.
1: It would have been good. Mm-hmm. Anything else that you? Any any other? No,
0: that was pretty much it. Um, a lot of them had already been explained in previous seasons.
1: You know, the only thing is the Yemen thing was kind of just like a CNN scroll in the background. Yeah, they never really talked about like what that war is doing, and um... I mean, it's
0: possible it's still connected to the explosion thing, right?
1: Yeah, because we were speculating
0: on that. Like, will there be Yemenese terrorists some or... kind of escalation or uh-huh. who knows? Yeah.
1: OK. Yeah, it's just true. It's true. We still have four episodes to go. You might you might ask yourself, how do Jim and Aaron find the time to cover all this television and to do all this prep work and compile all this feedback and, and yak about it for so long? Uh, the question is, or the the question has an easy answer. Uh, people pay us to do it, and unlike John and Lori, we do not shred slash burn that money. No, no, we convert it into malt liquor to continue the cycle of the snake eating its own tail. And, and you can you can enable us if you if you would care to do so uh, and keep all this content flowing by going to club.baldmove.com. And it's not for nothing. You get ad-free feeds. You get access to a bunch of uh, exclusive video and other content, such as our fabulous monthly – a variety—it's not a variety show. It's called "Quit Your Pitching." And what we do is there's a couple of random show title generators on the internet that we hit up. We get like a dozen of them, and then we write them down. And then we just, without any kind of prep, we we hit we get we get hit with the show title. And we we pitch what the show is going to be about. One of them on last week's show was "Hardcastle and Stalker," which we end up. I think it was a a, a buddy cop.
0: Yeah, show yeah.
1: with Brian Dennehy and John Leguizamo, and not only is there going to be a preview of that particular skit at the end of this episode, uh, but also if you go to club.baldmove.com dot com, you can sign up for a free one month trial, thirty day trial, not a month, because some of those months have thirty one days, and that 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 extra day, that extra day adds up. It's just thirty days, not a month. It's thirty days, so you get two extra days if it's in February. If you wait till next That's next right. February to sign up. You gotta you gotta see, you gotta make sure you play and not get played. Uh I think this month only or or this month's thirty one, like April had thirty days in it. That's just right. <laughs> Club that Uh are yeah. we ready for feedback? Sure. All right. Let's start with Nick A after last week's uh first off, you can send feedback leftovers at bulbmove.com. Sorry, Nick A. After last week's email section, I thought I would send in some more Wu-Tang Clan-related feedback. I live in Perth, Western Australia, where, as you well know, Senior, Kevin Sr. Senior spent his time here blissfully smacked down on God's tongue. What's not brought up in the show, but I'd like to think Damon Lindelof is well aware of, is there's a cafe-slash-toasted-cheese sandwich joint in Perth called Toast Face Grilla. <laughs> which, of course, is named after Wu-Tang <laughs> Clan, Ghost Clan face member Killa. Ghostface Killa, who, after learning no. about this, performed the mini-concert in front of the very joint. Everything is connected. All in capitals with multiple exclamation points. If the sudden departure really does happen, I will be starting a ghost face killer, toasted cheese sandwich related cult. As well as well, you should. Um, there's actually a lot of ink spilt about whether the Wu can, whether, whether the Wu Tang still exists in this universe. How many of them were departed? Which one would be departed if, uh-huh. if they were to be <laughs> departed? And wow, I'm too much of a neophyte in the clan to speculate. <laughs> um. Sam B., uh, let's see. Just want to point out that when Kevin Sr. talks about his trip on God's Tongue, he says he woke up two weeks after the trip, then he sees the chicken on TV. He says he doesn't remember how he got there or what happened while he was there, but he woke up and saw the chicken. I think this is an important point to clarify because the way it's presented, he says God didn't talk to him. However, if you go full Supernatural, he actually did talk to Kevin, he just doesn't remember it. In the podcast, it sounds like you guys thought he saw the chicken while tripping – Worth a rewatch of that scene. Um, No,
0: it's possible, but we don't know, right? Yes. Sure, it's possible that he saw Kevin. It's
1: possible he didn't. And also, you're trusting a person who's high on God's tongue to tell you when they have come down fully from the trip. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's an analysis fraught with peril. It is, yeah. Uh, (laughs) So... But, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, him talking to Kevin, uh, if Kevin is some sort of deity in the Leftovers universe, then he actually did talk to God. He just doesn't remember it. Mm -hmm. Um, There's also some hay being made on Reddit. Did you see those threads about uh, the fact that – was it Tony? Tony the Chicken was dead for two days, which is one short of the Christ standard of being dead for three days before rising – and also they made a point in the same episode that Australia is one day behind. So maybe <laughs>
2: – okay. may, may,
1: may, and I, I know that's not how the international date time works, but a lot of people were making hay the fact that maybe the chicken has Christ imagery as well and maybe he literally was seeing Kevin during all this. Huh. Um, anyway, this is just madness from the internet. Uh, Dave McBee, our Australian uh, foreign correspondent. We've got several now. Uh, We have a warning at the start of our broadcast, or the leftovers here, warning Aboriginal people that the broadcast could contain images and voices of deceased people. This is due to a period of time where, post-death, the name of the dead person will not be said, instead referring to them in another way, such as old lady or old man, as well as images not be published or shown of these dead people. Hmm. That's interesting. Like Like, it's a cultural sensitivity thing. And also, the way he said that, do they only do that when aboriginal people are depicted? Or do they do that just, like, for every television? Kind of like um, there's a standard disclaimer at the end of every one of our movies that, you know, this does not have to do with any people living or deceased. It's just a coincidence, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. That's a legal thing. This is more of a spiritual thing. Anything you make of that?
0: Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's a slippery slope to me, like, how many different – uh how, when you're when you're making a movie, how many different cultures do you have to be aware of? All of them, you have to be aware of the customs and rituals of every single culture on the planet in order to not offend anyone by showing an image. I think it's locally, like
1: like if you up until the living memory were brutally repressing. An but what does that mean? People, what the you, fuck you does might local mean? Extra sensitivity.
0: Like in America, there's no such fucking thing as local.
1: Do we have? A, well, we have, we have. Do we have? Do we have Aboriginal people in India or in, Indi- <laughs> in 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 Indiana? Those named after Indians? We we certainly have natives, yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh so but but I mean our culture is such a mishmash at this point, right? Like right. we have like one of everything here. So like what the
1: fuck do you do? Yeah. I like I said, I think it's 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 kind of like shortly after 9/11 People were going out and like air, literally airbrushing the Twin Towers out of the movies because they didn't want to fucking traumatize people. Right. It's more like, and that won't last forever. That that you know this 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 cultural sensitivity around that day. I mean, it it's it's always going to be an important day in American history. But as we get time and distance from it, it'll become you know something else will happen, and it'll be like you know uh, Pearl Harbor Day. Like that's still something we mark on our calendars, but. It becomes – it's obviously much less of a thing than it was in the 40s and 50s. Mm -hmm. Um, Where I'm going with that is like I guess the Australians have decided to make this a, a point to be extra sensitive to their beliefs because they've been so insensitive for so long. Yeah. And they're trying to get everybody to get along in the spirit of comedy. I can see that. Uh, continuing on uh, David B's email, catching Kevin Sr. dancing with a recording would have likely been f- very offensive to those who find them, referring to himself as a member of the community, also <laughs> as something that would cause a lot of issues. I'm yeah. not surprised he's thrown out of the back of the ambulance. We didn't really point that out, but like almost everyone he was dealing with and the authorities and the ambulance were Aboriginals themselves. Yes?
0: Uh, potentially. I, I mean, don't, I, I don't I, know enough I'm, to I'm, say
1: I'm judging just by like their appearance, which is always fraught, especially. Since right. why I say I have no idea. But, you know, I, I, I kind of thought they were kind of the like like the, the reservation police that we see in like Breaking Bad. Right. Um, The generation that Kevin Sr. referred to as stolen did exist and is referred to as a stolen generation. At the time, the government was removing young aboriginal children and placing them with white families or into white institutions Began in about 1870 and continued at least until the 1970s. In 2008, our then Prime Minister Kevin Rudd issued an official apology from the government of Australia to those affected. Some children never saw their parents or siblings again. As something that the government wouldn't recognize until the late 18 or 1980s, and is still something that people reject here. That's interesting. Like they've got like a, essentially an Aboriginal Holocaust denier movement. Mm-hmm. Like even though that's something that You know we talk about stuff happening in living memory But that literally is living memory for most people Yeah um, Minor note we don't actually have those orange Pill bottles in Australia um, But they probably depicted Kevin Senior taking things out of that So an American audience would understand that He was taking some form of prescription painkillers mm-hmm. What do they have? I don't know Because I thought the whole reason the, the bottles just are that handfuls. weird color Is to like shield them from sunlight They just dump handful of pills yeah. On you or maybe yeah. they just had they just use like the white aspirin bottles because those do a good job of blocking light too, right? Open your pockets, I've got a prescription for you. <laughs> and the doctors just dump it in. Everything's loosey goosey in Australia. Yeah, take why some not? God's tongue. Call me in two weeks. Right, they'll sort you out. Uh, Maddie D from L.A. in season one, episode nine, right around the thirty-six minute mark. While on a jog, Kevin Junior stops for cigarette. This is about an hour or so before the sudden departure. Mm -hmm. Kevin sits on the side of the road, smoking as an old maroon sedan pulls up and stops beside them. Inside the car are four women, roughly in their 40s to 60s, in denim and plaid shirts. Now, while none of them appear to be any of the actors playing Grace or her three cronies, the coincidence, I think, is too big. The woman in the passenger seat, who mildly resembles Grace, leans out the window and with a smile asks Kevin, "'Are you ready?' Dumbfounded, Kevin replies, excuse me, and now the women seem confused. They whisper amongst themselves, then the woman leans back out the window and says, I'm sorry, I thought you were someone else. She smiles and waves the driver on, and the car takes off. Only Moments before, an underground explosion sends a manhole cover flying up, almost landing on Kevin. I don't recall seeing these women or these women anywhere else before or after the episode, nor is the brief mistaken identity encounter brought up any time afterwards. And although Grace is a woman with her own story in a different part of the world, I feel it's awfully co- coincidental that the four women arrive in front of Kevin and mistake him for someone else. And what do they expect a person would have been ready for? Um, so, what do you what do you make of this coincidence? You you remember the scene uh, they're referring? I to, do. Right? Yeah. yeah.
0: Um. Man, if I weren't so, if I didn't believe that they were never going to tell us what. The what happened at the departure then I would say that this was all connected to it and perhaps this explosion is leading up to something but I really don't believe that they're going to tell us so uh, what could this mean I mean this is a reincarnation sort of thing of Kevin What what's going on here
1: well it seems like there's a lot of stuff like leftovers things falls into several different categories things that kind of hint towards a supernatural things that kind of hint towards a um a rational thing or underlying pieces of world building. Cause if you recall that like Lindelof and Parada and obviously Reza Aslan are interested in how new religions form. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that like Aslan puts in, in his, his book about um, you know, the Messiah and like some of his religious scholarship and stuff that we talked about in the podcast is, you know, when, when Jesus was walking the earth, there was tons of different Messiahs that cause everyone was in expectation um, for various prophet, you know, for various reasons, they were all kind of looking for a, a messiah and messiahs were coming out of the woodwork to oblige people. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if this is just a little, one of those little no- notes to say that Kevin's not the only, you know, just like there are the barefoot people and there's the guilty remnant and there's the ladder box radiation people and, uh there's you know whatever you know things going on in the muslim community that there's other people and there's these four horsewomen there's other people looking for truth in this universe and there's probably multiple kevins um you know there like even last year they mentioned a man in perth australia that survived an earthquake m- miraculously right so yeah i
0: mean certainly there have been uh other factions forming other religions forming Right.
1: And there's there's not just one Axis Monday. There's several. Um, I, I think that it could be a, a, the plainest reading is this is them playing around with that idea of there isn't a may. It's not like the great departure happens and one new worldwide religion forms and takes the lead you have all these splinter cults happening and probably a few of them will fight for supremacy and and continue for some time. Right,
0: but this all happened before their departure. So if anything I would say they're saying same as it ever was. Uh
1: Did the did the manhole scene happen before?
0: I mean that's what the emailer said, right? Okay, you're About right. An that hour was the said before best the best episode. Before the departure.
1: Right, right, right. So, <laughs> I mean if that's
0: true, yeah, I would think, you know,
1: same as it ever was. Okay, good point. Mags. In last week's episode, I noticed something that made me chuckle. When Kevin Sr. was trying to charm or distract Sharon, they both made small talk about their kids. In the course of the conversation, she told them about her grandson, Ollie, who wants to be an astronaut. Is this Lindelof's nod to Scott Glenn playing Alan Shepard in the classic movie The Right Stuff? <laughs> sure. Yeah. I like it. Why not? I like it. It's pretty pretty smart. Pretty smart. Cause that's, I think that's the first thing I ever saw him in. I watched that in, in high school. Um, Evan from the ATL. We see a lot of airports uh, in the promotional content, a lot of mentions of flooding that seem overly calm. We've also seen few mentions and offhand comments about a flood or locust or other apoc- apocalypticia from weather reports in episode three, and comments are made by the Garveys all in reference to the seven-year anniversary of the departure. I think we can all agree that no CGI flood of water or locust will be gracing the show. Agree or disagree?
0: I, uh, I'm not sure. I agree with that, but I've... yeah. I don't know what to expect, honestly.
1: Like, I know the Leftovers isn't the most expensive show in the world, so maybe Lindelof's like, "Look, um, if you can put a seven hundred foot high fucking ice wall all up in Game of Thrones, I need, I need like a couple seconds of that ice wall money." Yeah, I need a couple seconds of that dragon money because they're just gonna reuse the footage from, <laughs> from Hard Home, <laughs> <laughs> or or they'll take something from uh, uh, Interstellar, the right. one giant wave world planet, Deep Impact, Deep Impact. <laughs> yeah, why is Elijah Woods in the final? Uh, Morgan Freeman, what the fuck? <laughs> um, I thought
0: he they did got, play God in that true. Jim Carrey li- in that not liar liar. It's uh, all connected, Jim. right? It's all connected.
1: It's all
0: connected. Um, but to his point, I. I don't know that that's true. Like I really don't know what to expect in the, the uh end of this.
1: nevertheless their point continues, Mag's point, there are many, many signs and dialogues pointing to the flood over and over again. Mm-hmm. My thinking is that there not will not be any weather related flood, but instead the departed population will reappear and places such as the airport, train stations and highways will be flooded with people rushing back to their departed loved ones. Mm. Um imagine emotional punch. Similar to World War Z. I'm just gonna reuse that footage. <laughs> <laughs> the departed part of ones are just fast zombies. Uh-huh. Um, imagine the emotional punch of watching millions of people who have been moved on with their lives into different locations desperately trying to return or reconcile the fact that their old husband or wife or forgotten children are now back. I think it mimics the same emotional intensity of episode Three's Grace, whose children are left alone after departure, and it fits with a lot of the imagery we've been shown without the depart- departing of leftovers fashion and realistic emotional tension. Okay. I'm trying to think... Of that idea. And it's interesting because it also um, – w- there's also a lot of things in the Bible that um, – where Jesus – the people ask him about um, – like 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 the Sadducees and Pharisees and other religious leaders were always going up to Jesus in the Bible and trying to trick him mm-hmm. into saying things and himself. And one of them was uh, – I forget whether the Sadducees or the Pharisees, but they went up to him and was like, hey, teacher, I got one for you uh a man marries a woman and then he dies and then he has seven brothers and then in turn each of those brothers marries her which is as as uh the the custom at the time uh and they all die and then she in turn dies and in paradise which of them is their wife Mm
2: -hmm.
1: which is them is their which of them is their her husband and jesus is like you fools uh, when the resurrection comes, people that are arisen will be like the angels, neither given nor giving to marriage. Mm-hmm. Which has a lot of depressing, like as Jehovah. There's a lot of depressed Jehovah's Witnesses when they read, when they really meditate about that, and like, yeah. oh, I can't wait to see my husband in paradise. <laughs> But I won't be married to him anymore. And, like, he might not even have a penis if you take what Jesus is saying literally, <laughs> that they're like angels.
0: He's got wings, though. They got wings. Yeah. You can do a
1: lot of things with, you know, did a lot of eroticism with feathers. Yeah. Uh, according to Tenacious D. Whole whole new fetishes to explore yeah. in heaven. Featherishes. So I wonder, I mean, the one thing that, like, got in my kind of biblical mind going is that would be really interesting. Because what do you do, like, if, uh, you know, Kevin's really giving it to Nora in the airport bathroom and Doug or whatever comes in. <laughs> right. What the hell, man? You're like, you know... Mm-hmm. That would be interesting. Um, that would be... That would have quite the emotional punch. Yeah. you buy it as a theory? Yeah.
0: Uh, I mean, it's as good as any guess at this point. Like, I have zero idea of what's going to happen at the end of this show. Yeah. And, and I think all possibilities are open, right? There could be yet another departure... There could be nothing that happens. There could be a flood of of water or zombies or whatever. Everybody could come back. I, who knows? It could literally be anything. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I I just don't know how we would even guess at it.
1: Mike M. I don't know about you, but the portrayal of mental illness in film and TV is very terrifying to me. Ever since I watched A Beautiful Mind, the concept of seeing things or people that are not there freaks me out to where I have chills. Last night's episode hit me hard because Kevin truly thought he saw Evie when he was confronted with the reality. Those old fears hit home, and it was the most scary thing I saw on TV this year. Do either one of you have those same fears, or am I just being over the top? Mental illness is my weak spot for sure. We've talked about this a lot, but I'm interested in seeing – because we're like – the fact that we are secular atheists and do not believe in fantastic things that cannot be explained by science – does that override your brain telling you that you are seeing something that is real, that like all of your senses are betraying you essentially?
0: Oh, would you be able to correctly like would diagnose? Able, like, <laughs> no.
1: Like, Cause like, like, you know, uh, do you, do you, do you like, if you don't have that background and you think that the angels and God and things like that are real, you're just like, or ghosts, you might mm-hmm. just be like, Oh my God, I'm finally having the experience. Whereas I would be like, Jesus Christ, I need to call an ambulance. I'm having a psychotic break. I need medication.
0: Right. So I so I don't have any fear of this. Um, this is not something I really ever even consider. I don't either. But... but I could see how for a rational person, this might be the most terrifying thing of all. Because if you don't believe that there are supernatural things, um, such as ghosts or werewolves or monsters of any kind, right. then those things don't frighten you, right? Right. Right. Um, But one thing you would believe in is the ability of your own mind to malfunction and Mm. really just fuck with you and screw up your life. Um, And that could be the most terrifying thing of all. Right. Because it's something you actually believe can happen uh, and actually does happen. So I can see why people would be afraid of that. I, I don't know why I'm not. I just I'm not.
1: Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know whether that's an emotional armor. Like, I've had experiences where, like, I hallucinated during, a, like, a very high fever.
2: Hmm. And I was okay.
1: utterly convinced that, like, my neighbors were shining high-intensity lights and, and outside in my bedroom window in an effort to make me move out. Because <laughs> they were trying to get my property. And I was, like, I was running like, 103 going on 104-degree fever. And I was just, like, free—I was losing my fucking mind. And at no point that I'm like, wait, I know Chris— and I know, dare—they're they're not gonna do this. Like, there were buddies. We drink beer. Like it was just no. they 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 It's fucking. They got it in for me. So no, I don't I, know. I don't know when, like, like <laughs> these rational thoughts we're having are our brain working normally. If our brain chemistry goes woohoo, mm-hmm. how are you going to? Like, I guess that's. I, I feel you. I don't f- actually feel the fear, but I understand why you are afraid because you're mm-hmm. essentially saying. The only thing that's the, the only reason I'm rational is because my brain's working correctly, and if my brain's working correctly will I be able to correctly diagnose it and get help, or will I just be steeped in my delusion? I will right. say that I think I, I, I'm speculating because I, I don't, I haven't, I haven't looked into this. But when I was watching this episode, the multiple times I watched it, and we got to Lori, a trained um, uh, a therapist and psych, psych, psychiatrist, psychologist at least. Um, walk Kevin through this delusion and help him, I kind of feel like they went to a lot of experts and said, if you were a person with training and you had a person you cared about that came to you with having a delusional episode, what would you say to – And it it all felt real, and it wouldn't surprise me that they actually did that research. Yeah. And the way they portrayed it is once someone that you trust – told you convincingly that this isn't real and had you confront the delusion again it kind of falls apart Mm -hmm. and that felt real to me so i mean to the extent that this was based on actual research i guess it is it does imply that your rational mind can kind of like piece together the puzzles and then you know you could be able to get help i don't know i don't know i hope i never lose my mind (laughs) yeah same here Uh, If I do, I hope I'm still doing a podcast so people can give me early warning symbols, (laughs) signs, or, you know. Uh Um, Diogo P. I'm sure you're going to receive a lot of feedback about what are the odds of Kevin Sr. seeing Jr. on TV at that precise moment. Turns out it wouldn't be all that unlikely. It's much like the Wyatt Earp effect. People confuse conditional probability with absolute probability. For example, the odds of winning 64 gun duels in a row is very, very low. But the odds of winning that 64th gun duel, given that you've won 63, are not that low. The odds of Kevin Sr. seeing Jr. on TV are low if no other conditions are being met. But once Kevin Sr. is mentioned on TV, the odds of the TV triggering Jr. and making him seek out the TV show are not that low. Correspondingly, once Kevin Sr. is mentioned on the program, the odds of him turning on that program aren't that low either. Finally, uh, so so I just want to go with that that does seem right. Like if someone mentions you on TV, what happens is everyone that, you know, that's watching that television show calls and says, Oh my God, you're on television. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is a very popular morning show in Australia. So like all these confluences are going, it doesn't seem at the end of the episode. It seems almost magical that this happens, but if you really break down everything, it does kind of make a certain amount of sense. If Kevin senior was not mentioned on that broadcast, yeah, yeah. Then it would seem much more magical than it really is. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also have this unrelated point at the end is the explosion, a nuclear explosion, given the earlier guy freaking out about the fallout in the airport. Possible. But it seems who knows? It, it seems likely given the rules of the television show and what we're what we're being shown. But we, we won't know until next week, if not later. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyle B. I'm worried that in trying to wrap everything up in the final four episodes that the Guilty Remnant storyline is no more. Obviously Meg's chapter is gone, but what about the rest? They're such a huge part of the first two seasons, it's very unsatisfying to think that they won't be a part of the story arc anymore.
0: A lot of people are speculating that these machine people are a new version of the Guilty Remnant, or or a faction of the Guilty Remnant, much like Meg, um, who are... (laughs) There is no machine, and they're just trying to prove that uh, they're they're just trying to throw the losses back in the faces of the people, um, sure. who who are searching for absolution here. Yeah, and I don't I don't know that I agree with that, but I mean, you know, if you want to look for a large gr presence in this season, that might be it. But also, that's the way that's the way cults go. Sure, splinter groups and all kinds of stuff
1: happen. Right, with there's cults. very few, if any, Millerites. But there's a lot of Seventh day Adventists and there's a lot of Jehovah's Witnesses and there's a lot of other millennial type um splinter groups that are bigger or smaller and they've they've taken over. So, you know, that is part of the thing that is interesting to these people is to see how religions uh, that, that that grow and and modify and, and get get official, get get put down and then get adopted officially. Like that's part of the life cycle. So mm-hmm. Even though as a big part of the show, it would make sense that if they were exterminated by the federal government because they got out of hand that they're just – we're not going to see them anymore. Yeah. Do you think we'll see Evie again?
0: Yeah, probably. Not the real Evie, but we might see delusion Evie again.
1: I want to say no because I think now that he's hooked up with Senior that he's going – the reason he saw Evie is because he was trying to run away from the things he was quote-unquote supposed to be doing and now that he's with his dad – and they're gonna go. They're gonna go go down the crazy train together. I think that he. I mean, I'm sure he'll see a lot more fantastic stuff. But I don't think it's gonna be dead people haunting him. Hmm. I think it's gonna be okay. more international assassin than let. Of course, it an international on- assassin. Uh, you know, mo- both trips he took to the other side featured Patty in some way.
0: Right. I guess it depends on what you think the the dead are there to
1: do for Kevin. You Indeed. know,
0: are they there to torture him or are they there to guide him?
1: Uh, Finally Kyle says Also when I looked at the date of the Great Disappointment I was excited to think it was seven days after the departure But it turns out it was eight But then my heart skipped a beat When Grace said that in Australia the departure was on the 15th I'm wondering if the Millerite thing will come back into play Um, I, may, I mean they picked the date out They picked the date out deliberately And they also introduced and reminded us About the international date line deliberately mm-hmm. So you might be onto something there Kyle Marky, if I had a vote, I ditched opening credits. The Perfect Strangers bit was great, especially because of the Mark Lynn Baker's appearance. Uh was not just a joke, um, and it was a great clash of themes and tones. But the last couple of weeks, uh, I just say get on with the show. The gag worked once, now move on. I I don't I the thing about the opening credits is that's not just something they do for fun. There is contractual obligations and things are wrapped up in when people appear and how they appear and how they're credited. So I don't know that shows can just get away with not doing them the whole, all the time. Like there's waivers to have to be signed and things and negotiations and everyone has to agree. And it's, it's, it's a very, very big thing.
0: Yeah. The shitty thing about it though, is I feel like the season two intro was connected to the song in a way that none of these songs are. Um, and, and maybe it's because season two featured the same song and the same intro over and over, and now they've mixed it up, that I feel that way. But th- the these songs have not felt connected to the intro in any way. It's like, let's play another random track. Now, it's a track that describes the episode, but it's not a track that is tied to the intro in any way.
1: Oh, well, I don't... So I guess I you're wanting something more than I... To me, if but they, but if, when I
0: hear we didn't have enough money to do a new intro, uh-huh. that either means uh, I, that to me says like they would have chosen to do something else. Could they have afforded it?
1: Yeah, but sometimes budget limits lead to things that are awesome too. And uh, okay, like like, and I would you, say
0: not in this case. But
1: um, but I, so I'm going to say that like if if we have three things, and and the perfect strangers is one of them that work that well that it will be worth it else like i mean also who gives a shit like what if they just ran back let the mystery be mm-hmm. like i I'm, mean i you cool with that would you rather than do that than do something different each week that ties into the episode i don't that's a weird thing to. i i, don't I know. say
0: i say do credits like a ton of other things do it put put their names over the top of like this first scene or something i don't like that know? Uh, I, I, <laughs> okay, well, I don't like the song over the same intro, so... <laughs> well, I don't like the podcasts with you anymore.
1: <laughs> I'm out. Ah, uh, oh, shit. Well, I'm out after this next couple of emails. Uh Marky continues, I'm really open to wherever the show wants to take us uh, in the last four episodes, though if Jill doesn't pop back up, I'll be disappointed. It'd be a bold move to do a Jill and Tommy-focused episode on episode seven. <laughs> uh, Garvey's at their best reprise or some such. Probably a terrible idea. That's why I don't write for a TV show. But he's essentially saying, I want to get another look back at the team still in Texas. What do you think? I I, I, don't, I don't care about the team still in Texas. It's not that I don't care. It's just that I feel like in the language of cinema that they've told us that they're okay. Yeah. Like, Jill seems like she's off in college, and she's, you know, uh, everybody's on good terms, and Tommy's doing much better, so... Um, now they could come back and and stir some shit up, but like they 've only got four episodes to resolve it. It seems like we 've got a core group of crazy people, senior junior Nora and matt and and everyone that 's not part of that and John, I guess is in there too. No one that 's part of that is being dismissed mm-hmm. um All the people that look healthy and uh, th- th- they 're just they 're just going to go on their separate way um Chris. Just started a rewatch uh, in celebration of the new season and noticed that in season one, episode four, BJ and AC, when Kevin is grilling Patty in the office, she writes in her pad, there is no family, same as not Evie says in the most recent episode. I just thought it was interesting. Yeah, I that was I put in that just in case I forgot to talk about this, there is no family connection. The reason that is connected is because that's something Lori told not Evie to say. Mm-hmm. I can't remember her name, Deny or something like that. Yeah, Danya. Danya, Danya. Um and and I just wanted to put that email in case I forgot to bring it up in, in any other point in the episode. And that's the feedback we got for this week. Okay. Uh as always you can send feedback to leftovers at baldmove dot com or jump on our forums, forums dot dot com to discuss the episode with your fellow fans. Uh anything else you want to say? Right, we're do you the... want to do
0: like the world's smallest spoiler section?
1: I just want to mention something some, that was if interesting. Have, if you have some spoilers to talk about, then yes, let's let's do so. Okay.
0: I don't really have any serious ones. It's, just, it's the hump episode, man.
1: Yeah, that's We're, It's true. all We're downhill, downhill from here.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay, we'll do a little spoiler section after the music. So, uh, yeah, thanks everybody for listening. We'll be back next week. there are a couple of things that I, I don't know how they relate exactly, but they are related. So we, the, the question that Nora is asked is about two twin babies, right? They make it a point to say they're baby twins. One of them has to be killed. Uh, the title of episode seven is going to be The Most Powerful Man in the World, and in parentheses, and his identical twin brother. <laughs> so I don't know how that's going to be related, but... It's clearly in relation to the question, right? Mm. Okay. I I don't know who those people are going to be, but that's uh, this is why I say it's going to be short because I don't have any like speculation or any you know interesting juicy topics to talk about, but just little coincidental or Uh, not coincidences, but
1: now you're doomed to me to sort through a whole bunch of title title theories, Jim right uh.
0: um and and you (laughs) you talked about you know whether whether we're going to get back to texas or whatnot but kind of everybody important is going to australia because you look at next episode matt uh, matt's headed to australia lori's headed to australia like everybody's going to australia
1: lori's heading to australia as far as i know yeah
0: um and also if you look at so john must be headed too.
1: Um, uh, maybe
0: John is, I'm not sure if he is. I, I just not. remember
1: from the preseason trailer that like, there's an image of John with like Matt, I think like he got his arm around his shoulder, like he's trying to help him walk in a downpour. Huh. Okay. So yeah, John might be going there too. Um, cause
0: I guess episode six is going to be titled certified and the description is Lori Garvey, a former therapist must become one again as she heads to Australia to help Nora and Kevin along their paths so uh, she's headed to Australia definitely
1: oh I could do- totally get down for a marital therapy session oh Jesus yeah <laughs> ex-wife is presiding over <laughs> Nora and Kevin's insanity yeah that'd be pretty sweet what's the next episode called it's a Matt
0: Matt Matt Matt, oh, Matt world
1: right 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 yeah. I remember talking with the, about that uh, cause that's a reference to a very famous um, movie hit. madcap comedy uh, scavenger hunt movie, yep, which I was very fond of as a child. Mm-hmm. So that would be cool.
0: Yeah, so I guess everybody's going to I mean, Australia. The book I don't of, know that we're going to see is The
1: final final episode. It is, yeah. Huh. So that's it. All right. Well, all it's going to be like I mean, I've got mixed feelings because there's only four episodes left. Yeah, and I'm I'm just you know like I'm never ready for the show to be over, but for it to be over. <laughs> that's going to be that's going to be pretty bitter bittersweet like, it is there's very yeah. few times I'm conscious of something being over as it's happening like yeah I remember the final season of Breaking Bad or final season of Mad Men uh, the experience of watching like Return of the King for the first time um, like it's always kind of like a, if, especially if everything's going right it's really a special experience yeah
0: I I wonder what Lindelof's next project is going to be and if he's going to be bringing some of the people that he's met
1: and I would like for him and Parada to... to keep working together because I feel yeah. like Tom grounds Lindelof and Lindelof gives the <laughs> way to... that cues did not. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Lindelof gives the Tom wings to fly because if you look at like, I didn't say this on the forums, but the original leftovers book is just a very grounded matter of fact, non-fantastic, look at how people deal with grief and and uh in in a kind of post 9-11 type of situation Mm -hmm. and lindelof took that and lost it up He, he 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 he's got the showmanship that really makes it pop and and makes it compulsively watchable and i feel like that that creative tension is really good
0: yeah i hope he sticks with hbo because i feel like they've enabled him to do things his way yeah. Um or their way, you know, not and it, just it's not enough.
1: just honestly, it's not I think HBO does it best, but they when do. I look yeah. at things that Netflix is doing now, yeah. when I look at what Hulu is doing with like a handmaid's tale, when I look at like I just saw the the episode two of American God on Stars holy shit like <laughs> you put
0: it on stars nobody's gonna watch it
1: yeah but here's the th- thing dude i don't know how uh, much longer that'd be true because like what what is the one thing hbo does that none of the other two cable te- networks want to do boobs every episode american <laughs> gods is like and the other thing i've always said is like you know the one thing about uh, hbo is like they still don't really do erotic like you'll never see an erect male penis you'll never see a vaginal cleft you know what you see in american gods <laughs> erect penises from hell to breakfast, full on slit, like like some some erotic shit happened, yeah, and it's blowing my mind. So like I feel like that, yeah, I would like to see them stay in HBO because HBO's got the pedigree and they seem to work well together. But like there's so many creative outlets for people now. It's not like yeah HBO true. and then everything else is a step down, and then you go to basic cable, and then you go to fucking network television. Like it's yeah, it's... I mean
0: HBO is less of a crapshoot in my mind. Like HBO. Sp- Consistently produces above standard oh, television. Oh yeah, I'm not arguing with that. And some of the best shows ever made. And like Netflix, yeah, they produce some good TV, but they also produce some clunky bullshit. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know what the cause of that is. Um, maybe you get, you know, Lindelof in there, and there's some monkeying going around, and mm. Netflix makes a bad Lindelof production. We have a
1: quota for erect penises, Damon, yeah. and you <laughs> haven't on, used. Damon. You've got ten, and you haven't even used any this season, right? So there's going to be a lot of wrecked penis in the finale episode, just, <laughs> just so you know. Yep.
0: <laughs> but I don't know. I, I just – I look forward to his next project. Okay. As much as I'm – Agreed. You know, sad to see the leftovers go, yep. I'm also interested in him creating a new world yeah. for us to look
1: at. Because, you know, say what you will about Lost – it was, it was, it was incredibly artistic. It was, it was, it was very high. It succeeded on, on on going at a very high concept and being entertaining, even in the framework of network television, right? At the, at the primitive dawning of the golden age. So, like, I like, like, I, I ultimately think Lost was a creative failure, which I know pisses a lot of people off, but it was a worthy one. Mm-hmm. It's not something that you just dismiss as just shit right um which i think gets lost in the conversation about whether it was good or not you know so uh. i agree i'm i'm very i'm very much looking forward to his next project as well okay that's about it all right we will see you guys next week hardcastle and stalker even this is the like way, your generic buddy crime even drama, the way right? i said hardcastle and stalker you can tell it's a a generic buddy okay
0: we definitely need to pick the actors I mean so, that's the most important thing of any crime
1: drama show, right? So Ooh. Hard Hardcastle sounds like a real fire plug of a man. Like he does. he's just like uh um who who's uh Vic Mackey from The Wire? Yeah. Or not <laughs> <From> <laughs> yeah. Wire. Vic Mackey from the Wire <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> From the Shield. Uh what is that guy's name? I don't know. He's like he, the the pro, the thing with him is that he's like five foot nothing. Yeah. So like everyone sells him oh, as this.
0: Oh, then I got the perfect pair. What, what's the second guy's name? Hardcastle. What?
1: Uh, Stalker. Stalker. Yeah. John Leguizamo. Is the Stalker? Yeah.
0: So yeah, you're he's going a small
1: guy too. So like, uh, Michael Chiklis. God, that's Chiklis, his name. Yeah. Uh, so you're going for like Stalker, creepy, not <laughs> Stalker, like Hunter or right, and like kind of cats. annoying and just yeah. Okay. John, John, he'd give Howard Castle a real hard. You sure you don't want to get his cousin here, Leguizamo? Leguizamo, Leguizamo, Leguizamo.
0: Nah, he's he's already got enough work. We're gonna bring John back in.
1: Who's the other guy that was like in a bunch of old late '80s movies? That uh, he's like uh, Brian Dennehy, you know the guy from like Cocoon. Uh Yep, like I think he's a good Hardcastle. He would pair well. He'd pair well with the Leguizamo. All right.
0: I think what you really need is you need that odd couple feel, right? You yeah, need, like the straight man
1: and the ridiculous bozo. He's he's literally a hard ass. Like he's yeah. just uh, this uncompromising, angry dude guy. And stalker has one leg. Because <laughs> we got <laughs> We have to give him quirks. I mean, we can't just do a straight up. He's crime John Leguizamo. <laughs> he comes out of the box like loaded I bet you, quirks. John Leguizamo.
0: He John Leguizamo came up with the idea. Give me give me one leg. Just take away one of my legs. You know that's going to cost a lot, John. We're going to have to CG that.
1: Yeah, I don't care. What's part of my character? I have built it. Does into. he have a bio- like one of those uh, you know carbon fiber spoon legs? Or does oh, he have? Yeah, he's got like a first generation one that he can't, <laughs> can't really control all that well. Okay, all and, right. Or,
0: or maybe it's the ones that like last for three months and then your nerve cells get coated in this this what residue. The fuck? Have you heard of this? No, huh? Yeah. So apparently, like. The the prosthetics that they've been testing on people, like, stop working after a while. Because, like, your nerve endings, the receptors get, like, like, coated in some kind of, yeah, some kind of residue. Wow. And so they just stop working. So maybe that's the
1: key. Like, every three months he has to get a new leg, or every three months he has to take three months off walking. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Or he just has to drag the leg around, because he's got emergencies that he's got to He probably has a wheelchair. Okay, yeah. I can see that. Does Hardcastle push him around in a wheelchair?
0: Sure. It's, it's a crime buddy drama uh-huh. uh, where one of them is half the time in a wheelchair, half the time a superhero. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> with a, and the other with, one just with, resents with a, him with the faulty, whole time. With a faulty superpower. <laughs> right. Right. Half the time he has a bionic leg that he can leap buildings with. Mm. Half the time he can't get out of bed.
1: Okay. <laughs> uh, that's certainly a fish out of where uh, the other ba- location Where they have to have like it's got to be Hawaii, it's got to be Boulder, Colorado, it's got to be New New York City, it's got to be, it's got to be Lubbock, Texas. (laughs) (laughs) Hardcastle seems like you'd be from Lubbock. It sure does, yeah. Lubbock, Texas, the heart of Lubbock. I like it, and they're hunting down drug dealers and mules and cattle rustlers. Cattle rustlers, sure. There's <laughs> some cattle rustling going down there. Yep. Uh, and then you got the the Texas Walker Ranger, Walker, Walker, Texas. The Texas Walker yeah. Ranger. That's going to be the epic crossover.
0: Oh man!
1: Because that's like turns out that Hardcastle and Walker went to the same like police academy. Hardcastle
0: and Stalker meets Walker. <laughs>
1: yeah. And they both hate stalker. So, like, he's going to have to win him, and, and he's going to show right. up in one of the three-month phases where he doesn't have his foot. So he's going to have to win him over. He's going to have to dig deep oh, and impress man. Walker based on his non-superhero configuration. And
0: he, he's he's unable to do it for three months. He's been trying and trying to impress Walker, get him to like him. And then finally his leg comes back online, and he does the sweetest roundhouse kick walker's like
1: oh my god oh Oh, my god oh man uh i was going for more the heartwarming that he's going to just like do solid police work and prove that you don't need a superpower (laughs) leg you can be a disabled american but yeah sure get your (laughs) leg get your super leg back and suddenly you're worth a damn Uh, (laughs) you won me over the sweet roundhouse kick honestly uh okay
0: man